Hey, Ted. What's up, Grayson? We are in person right now. We are recording the pod after uh, quite the weeks on both our ends. Um, but it's good to be in person. It's good to be talking talking some Premier League, talking some crisis clubs. Um, welcome to the Boot and Hearth podcast, everyone. Um, so uh, we are going to... We're going to be going over quite a bit. Um, we got a lot on the agenda today, um, but let's uh, let's get started with uh, with that team from North London. Um, the team, the, the team, the team in North London. London is uh, London is white. London is soon to be. Admittedly, probably it's red right now, but soon to be as of this weekend. You know what? Everything kind of turned around the moment that Daniel Levy released that press statement. Press statement and said, "From Daniel." From Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, just the moment that he got hip and with it with the kids was just the turning point. Uh, this was not assured by any means. This was a trap game. This was. I mean, that's what it was. I was nervous about it. I mean, I yeah. I remember checking the. I was on a plane. While this game was going on, and I remember checking the score or having the score pop up at the top right, and it was zero zero seventy five minutes, or one zero seventy five minutes, and it was like, oh yeah, they're they're losing this game, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It, the honeymoon's over, like game's done. So it was really it was really tough to watch the first probably probably about seventy five. No, I'd say the first ninety minutes of the game were tough to watch. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. The first ninety minutes were awful, man, and and and. What it reminded me of was like the end of the Poch era where we were we were considered a good team and everybody who was outside of the top six when we played them would just low block and just that would be the entire game until they got lucky and scored and pulled out a win or we drew. That's that's what happened. Mm. This was that. This this was the exact same thing. I'm glad I'm glad people think we're we're good enough to play the low block against now again. Yeah. That's, that's a compliment. Um, but yeah, the game was utter shit to watch, honestly, until added time. I mean, you still had teams playing the low, low blocking on you against uh, with Conte and stuff like that. No, was... no, no. We were just sitting back. We didn't want yeah, the ball with yeah. Conte. Man. No, that's why your games were so horrible to watch because it was a <laughs> battle of the low blocks. You still had other teams like, take possession. You're not yeah. going to be able to do anything with it. With Conte, it was like, pass the ball four times and then Hoiberg can give it back to him, and we'll yeah. just fall back. It was awful. Um, how good was it seeing Richarlison scoring? Dude, the timing. The timing was kind of impeccable because it was all over the news and the headlines were all about how he came out and was like saying he'd been having a hard time uh, mentally. He was having some mental problems. Yeah, they said he, he, he said he was going to like see a psychiatrist exactly. or a mental health professional he or whatever. broke down on the sidelines during the Brazil match. Mm-hmm. Um, After being subbed off, yeah. Just a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um so for him to kind of come on as a sub, and then sorry, not to get into it yet, but and to watch Son come off and you know kind of push him out of the line, yeah, yeah, and score yeah. the hat trick. I mean that's all rough. Um, for him to come off the bench and get that goal was was huge. That yeah, was awesome. yeah, in front of the home fan, that's his first first one at home. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And to have this goal not wiped out by another goal. Finally. Right? 90 seconds later. The one time he doesn't rip his shirt off yeah. and celebrate, it's <laughs> yeah. actually a goal. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was it was great to see. Honestly, I just I think everybody everybody was so happy for him. Yeah, 100%. And it was good seeing Son like kind of yep. push him out or not push him out, but bring him to the front to the in front fans. of the fans. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a good sign. Um there is no this was probably the this was the war, like not the worst, but this was the one point over a full ninety minutes where you're like, they're not going to be able to do this. I mean, I remember watching even like it was the Brentford game, trying to watch the build up play in the yeah. first ten minutes was yeah. like, it was tough. Yikes! It was tough. Um, I don't know, man. I like like, w- surely you can't keep getting away with this. I don't think we're getting away with anything. Uh-huh. I think we are earning every single one of these wins. Um, I never really was worried up until like even up until like the 80th minute. I don't think I was worried about this game. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know what happened. 
Richarlison in the goal. Yeah, and never the, would. Guaranteed. And the guaranteed. assist, man. And the assist to Kulisevsky, who yeah. also benefits from a goal. Like, he needs that too. But, like, it was just, it was a great game overall, man. Not fun to watch. Not fun no, to watch. No, no. Watch. It was just boring. I was hungover watching it. It was boring. <laughs> and then and then for all that to happen at the end, honestly, kind of turned my day around. Kinda yeah, oh, around. yeah. I mean, same thing happened. It was, it was the Newcastle-Liverpool yep. game. Yep. Sitting there, fucking brutally hungover. <laughs> <laughs> red, card, red card happened. And suddenly you find the energy to get off your, feet, or oh get off your ass and you're just jumping around. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was ready to run through a brick wall. Absolutely. Um, it seems like uh, Ange agrees with you um, in not, not tempering back and not thinking. It, I think he... His quote is, uh, no, no, on whether or not Spurs fans should temper their feelings, Ange says, no, 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 let them go. Let them go and enjoy it. My role is not to burst people's bubbles. Let them get excited. Let them get ahead of themselves. That's the beauty of being a supporter. They go through enough pain, mate, if you want, or you want to let them enjoy it. If they think we are going to be world beaters and great, that's up to us to match that expectations. Our supporters deserve to have some happiness and enjoy it in any way they want to. I just like like brings a tear to my eye, man. <laughs> I I don't I never thought I would like a like an opposing manager as much as I like Ange Postecoglou. This guy, man, he doesn't say a wrong word. I like, but it's not even like he doesn't say a wrong word. Like Eddie Howe doesn't really say a wrong sure, word. Sure. Meat and potatoes. That's because Eddie Howe's milk toast. Yeah. <laughs> the Ange Postacago is just such a great speaker. And he just seems like just such a genuine person. And just very empathetic and just gets it. I absolutely. mean, absolutely insane. I Like, honestly, if, if that's what he's given to the supporters, I wonder what he's given to the what team. What is he telling the, yeah, the players? Know. And and it's just such like I think back, dude. It is such a contrast from Jose Mourinho, yeah. Antonio Conte. Yeah, it is just such a changeup in terms of you know the vibe, the the approach to coaching. It's so different. And I I can't I I just can't wait until Spurs breaks him <laughs> as a human being, and he ends up in a press conference going. 20 years, why is it like this? <laughs> oh, man. If Spurs, genuinely, if he gets broken by Spurs... Goes back to the J-League. <laughs> like, like honestly, if, if Spurs breaks him, you know the team is just cursed. You have, like, I mean, it's just... I mean, at that point... A deal with the devil was made. Sign so Ryan Mason to a long-term contract. Yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. Else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's, it just stopped being so likable. I wish he wasn't as likable as he is. Things are good in in Spurs Kingdom currently. Yes, um, not so much on the Sheffield United side though. Um, they lose it late. Um, this is not the first time that they've had a kind of late result pop up here. Um. What uh, what are we feeling here? They played well defensively, um, like that was. I mean, genuinely, that last goal was just so unlucky. Well, it yeah, it was it was unlucky, but like up until like again up until the last like twelve minutes of added time at the end, they were rock solid on defense. We really couldn't couldn't mm-hmm. create anything. Um, the only thing I think was more impressive than their defending was probably their time wasting. Their time wasting uh, was impeccable. And aren't the goalkeeper took his gloves off twice? Oh my god! Every it's like he's adjusting his socks, man. He's got to like put the ball, pick the ball up, put the ball down, pick the ball. It was ridiculous, man. And then their coach comes out. I love it. And, and I love and in this. The, in the post game press conference, complains. About about how it's it's a strategy. Like if, if uh, we're pressed, we have to choose where we're going, and he has to take more time to adapt to what they're doing. That's that's the game. Guy. And so, <laughs> so so the context for that was the refs were telling it telling him to tell the team to stop time wasting. They were telling the team to stop time wasting. 
He's like, what do you like? What do you, what do you mean? We're trying to do this, and they're not letting us. He's like, then just kick it long. <laughs> and and he's like, the ref shouldn't be dictating to me how to like strategy and everything. And it's like, no, I mean, shut the fuck up. Like literally <laughs> every like if you're being pressed, if you can't handle the pressure from there. Don't set up to play out of the back. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, no what are we ab- talking about? Absolute horseshit. Oh my god. That Honestly, so bad. Like when I heard that quote, I was like, Nah, Paul Hagen. <laughs> Paul Hagen bottom stuff. Get him out. Yeah. Of here. Like he he is not making it. It like he's not making it to Christmas. I mean, I, I think it, like I think you can really tell the same thing with um, Scott Parker last year with Bournemouth. When after they lost nine nothing to Liverpool, <laughs> and he just like was like, "We suck. We're just bad. We're just really, <laughs> really bad." And they're like, "No, nah, this can't go." He's sitting there like, "No, you can't tell me how to coach. You can't tell me how to coach." I completely forgot about that. That yeah. was so funny. Uh, yeah, I mean the time we, the shit house we was there. I I am really annoyed that he didn't get a second yellow. To be honest, for time wasting. Like, if you're not gonna give him a second yellow, what is the first yeah, yellow even? Why? Mean? Why are we doing all this stuff for time wasting? What does that mean? I mean, granted, you did get a lot of time left over for time wasting. Well, yeah. And it resulted in the win, but second yellow to the goalkeeper. I mean, the goalkeeper. You just said with that game, goalkeepers can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Like, like what's you're the not. Point? What does the first yellow even mean? We talked about this last year. We talked about this last year. When have you seen a goalie get five yellow cards and suspended for a game? I mean, it doesn't happen. No. So, so, so what's the point? Like, yeah, it's just yeah. like, I don't know. If you're really trying to get rid of, of, of you know, time wasting in these games, you got to enforce it. Like, you can't yeah, let that happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so, so. Sheffield United lost to Man City in the 88th minute. They lost to Forest in the 89th minute. Okay. They lost to Palace, uh, second half winner, uh, one goal. All of their games in the Premier League this year, they have lost by one goal. Um, and then Everton, Everton, they they tied, two two. I mean, they have now lost three. Out of the four, out of the five games that they've played, they have lost three of them in an 88th minute winner or later. Like, what does that say? What does that say to you if you read deeper into that? Like, is, that's obviously a pattern. What is that? What does that scream? Uh, to dude, you? I don't know if it is a pattern. You Honestly, that is? is just insane. I mean, is it is it constant? Like, is it lapses in judgment? I mean, clearly the 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 um, the winner at at Tottenham was a lack of, lack of judgment from uh, trying to build out. But, I mean, like any other situation, you say losing a Man City by one. Not a bad day. It's not a bad day. But when you tie it up in the 85th minute and then you end up losing it on the 88th minute. Bad day. Bad day, man. Bad day. And so, I like, do you... Do you think there's any hope for them? I think there's worse teams in the league. I think there's worse teams in the league. Um, Probably going to talk about some of them later. Yeah, I think we might. I think we might. Um, I could, I, I'm not saying they're safe, but I do think there are worse teams that will be below them at, at the end of it all. See, I, I think there are probably worse teams than them. But I don't think there's as many unlucky teams. Unlucky, <laughs> and like, really like genuinely stamping that label on them. This well, I like I like if you you have played five games and you lost three of your games in the 88th winner or like 80th minute winner. I mean, what does that do to you more? Your stats like guy, man. What are the odds? Mentally, on what are the odds on? Now nah, I'm a vibes guy. Uh, vibes, vibes guy. guy. Vibes okay. guy. Pure vibes. <laughs> Vibe man Grayson. Yeah, that's me. Um, yeah, I just like I like I, I don't know if you can come back from something like that. I feel like they're gonna get towards the end of the season and it's just gonna be brutal. I don't know, we'll see. They've had a tough run of it at the beginning. They got two points off Everton, who are definitely gonna be down there with them. I mean, they're putting in efforts on they put an effort on Palace, they put an effort on Forest, they put an effort on Man City and Tottenham. So I mean they can Well so the effort's there, so I mean, They haven't been getting blown out, yeah. 
after that pre- that post game press conference, I think I think they need to get a new manager. And, so they, and maybe that's the missing piece because the effort is there. Yeah. So next next five games are Newcastle, West Ham, Fulham, Man United, and Arsenal. That's not. That's that not, is not ideal. Yeah. No. After that, it's Wolves, Brighton, Bournemouth, Burnley. So I mean, that's a little bit better. Yeah, a little bit better. They're they but they're not getting like a really solid run of. I honestly, don't think. I don't think I don't think he makes it through that next stretch that you just listed. The out. five games? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think if they lose all of those They're gonna be hecking bottom, man. Hey, hey. That's good. Hey. Oh man. Alright, moving on. Um <laughs> uh, Harry Maguire's mom uh, tells everyone to stop bullying him. She solved it. It's done. It's done. It's done. That's so awesome. Uh, thank you, Harry Maguire's mom. She should tell people to stop being racist, too. Yeah, I, if she could tell um, Dave from work to stop bullying me, that would be awesome as well. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I, one, I do think people take it too far. And I, th- I, like, I, I think she's definitely at a point. I think Harry Maguire specifically gets a lot of shit. Um. And I think I think people people do take it a bit far. I don't know. All right. Any 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 notes on that? I mean, there is a massive butt coming in, but yeah, no, uh, I, I feel it. I feel it coming. Um, I mean, it's awful, you know. But sorry, some of it is awful. Some of it is really bad. There's a here. I'm gonna divide it into two camps here. You got the really bad stuff that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And then you you maybe move this way on the on the spectrum a little bit, mm-hmm. and you got average everyday internet being internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how like people? This happens. You're in the spotlight. Like this is gonna happen to you, right? I, I, I know. I rescinded my stat, uh, stat, <laughs> stats guy, stat thing there, and said pure vibes. But let me vibe check you on this. He has played more games for England since the start of the World Cup than United. Yeah. The World Cup was November of last year. October of last year. Yeah. End of October, yeah. I mean, that's 10 months. And he's played more games for England than United. I heard they stuck a name tag to his spot on the bench. Uh, Yeah, I mean, on the bench sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I, like I understand that people can take it too far, especially on Twitter. Like it's a cesspool, but X the war X <laughs> 10, 10. ten yeah. Um, but he's not doing himself any favors. Southgate isn't doing him any favors either. I personally think I like I don't know why he's continuing. Like in any other in any other situation, especially in games leading up to the Euro qualifiers and everything, why are you not trying out other people uh, like next to him? And that did happen, but he also scored no like like he uh, scored an own goal. Yeah, yeah, he scored an own goal. Like during this, it's this is prime time to start trying out other people. The big that what I don't I I agree with you completely. One, Southgate, you're not in the minority in that opinion that he likes to... He, he's got like, he's got 11 players that he's used to playing, and he loves... Calvin playing. Phillips. Calvin Phillips keeps getting called up. He hasn't played a professional game, I think, in two years. No, just sitting over in Man City, dude. Uh, he just loves picking these players for some reason. I don't know. Uh, you're definitely not the only one with this opinion. He's known for it. Um, it it's weird. I don't really get it. I would want to bring some fresh blood into that team. Um, and the one caveat with Harry Maguire was that, you know, he always put in a good performance for England. Like, he yeah, played so yeah, much better yeah, for them yeah. than he did for Man U. And now I don't even know if that's true. Well, and you can't take it for the good. You can't take it for the goodwill of, oh, he performs for... United, he's he's struggling at England. He doesn't. His only nope. performances are England. Hasn't he's played. not playing at all. He's not getting match fit. 
So the only matches that he's playing are England. So if he's not performing at England, why is he getting goodwill? You know, it's a it's a mystery. Man. Like it's like oh, Jamie Carragher was really good for for England when he was when he was playing. We should bring bring him back out there. <laughs> it's like it, it's just it's. I uh, Southgate said the abuse that Harry Maguire gets is ridiculous. I agree on some level. He does get vitriol and he gets he gets dogs abuse, but you are not helping him out at all at all by picking him nope. at the frequency you pick him. Here, go back out there, man. Just yeah, no, no. This time will be. Fine. You got it. Um. Anyway. Anyway, um, Manchester United have now lost three of eight. They have lost three of their opening five games. For the first time in the Premier League history. Um, this is just absolutely ridiculous. The fact that it's only three as well is a blessing for them, to be honest. The fact that it's only three. It should it should have been four with the Wolves game. I mean, did they bury out anything else in that? But, I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, Dumpster fire, man. Absolute dumpster fire. Like on and off the pitch. Like there's, there's really just yeah. I'm, there's no words for it. Um, do you, do you think, um, do you think they they are able to to? I don't know what I'm trying to say here because, like, honestly, is it injuries? Sorta. Is it Ten Hag? Do you think Ten Hag's to blame here? I mean, because they are not good. They've put in their best performance of the season today, and it was with two consolation goals in stoppage time against Bayern Munich. I mean, it's just, they, they're just not good. They shouldn't have beat Forrest either. They had they went down two goals against Forrest, yep. and then barely brought that one back. Dude, I, it's crazy. It's crazy, because they have, they have gone from, like, Soon to be like they were predicted top of the table team, and they have collapsed to near Chelsea levels so quickly. It's just it blows my mind. Like I thought Chelsea's collapse was kind of quick, and then I saw Man United and everything that was going on with them, and and just how quickly drama has erupted within the team. And you know you got Sancho isolating with the academy now. It's just it's it's nuts, man. It's yeah, I mean nuts. like like. So what he what 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 Ted is referring to there is Jaden Sancho was asked to apologize to Eric Ten Hag, and he he wouldn't do it, and so now he's training at the academy and won't be able to start or won't be able to be selected for the first team until he apologizes. I guess um, this is a professional like this is a a a a. Professional this is, organization. We have we have players well, sitting uh, out because they've been told to apologize. Let's. You're even understanding it with them being a professional organization. They have 13 Premier League trophies. They were the team in the 90s and 2000s. Huge. I mean, huge. absolutely fucking juggernaut. massive. Absolute juggernaut. Juggernaut. They won a treble in 2009. Wait, no, they didn't. They got beat by Barcelona. They won it in 99. Um, but, no, they. I mean, they were in a Champions League final in 2009. I mean, and they, like, for the past... I mean, it's been ten years, but really, like the past five years specifically, they have been an ad. Like they, the team has been a soap opera, like soap opera. Yeah. And you thought when Ten Hag was coming in, Ten Hag was gonna no more bullshit. Yeah, no more bullshit. Ten, ten Hag was gonna shore it up. He got rid of Ronaldo. He set it his foot down. Like he was doing that. It too. looked like he was doing like getting locked up with that. But then, just the absolute PR disaster that was Mason Greenwood. And then Anthony. And then Anthony, and which. Anthony, like, they shouldn't have even paid that money for Anthony. Yeah. He's mediocre. He's so mediocre. I don't know, man. Those spins. Well, I mean, Ajax could deal with them because right now they're in 12th <laughs> in the Eredivisie. Uh, but it's just, like, is this the, like, they're 10 off of the top four now. Yeah. I don't think this is the norm for them now. No. But like, what's what's the future? The takeover isn't happening any, anymore. Like, yeah, like off the market. Yeah. So so. Do know. we think? Do we think? Like, do you think 
Ten Hag can turn it around this season? <laughs> this season? No. I think they're on a similar trajectory as Chelsea now. I think I think what what I'm beginning to to I disagree with this that. Is, we'll get into yeah, the Chelsea. This one. is my tinfoil hat theory right now. You've got these two teams bringing in a lot of new players, a lot of young players. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think when you and do, spending a lot for a premium on, on young players, win now mentality with players that won't develop for two or three. Months. Yeah, so yes. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that doesn't yes. work. Disparity between the two, one hundred percent doesn't work. Great point. And and I think when you also I just think maybe that drama, this is just kind of, again, tinfoil hat theory. You get all those players together. They haven't played together. There's out, you know, there's circumstances outside of the club going on. And then also you're just paying these young players lots of money. I, I feel like that's a recipe for drama. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It's maybe just me jumping out there. But, like, I think all of that and what I said before, I think that's just kind of what's happening with these two teams. Yeah. I, I, I think... I think Chelsea is a much worse case, and we'll get into Chelsea in a bit. Um, but I, di- I disagree that Manchester United are in as bad of a position as Chelsea. But because it, like just the beginning of the season has been... There are less structural... I feel like there are structural problems with Manchester United because you buy all these players expecting to develop them, and then they don't develop. Like It's not just the Jadon Sancho thing. It's a lot of the people... They don't develop young academy prospects or anything like that either. Well, see, I kind of disagree with that. I don't even think it's that they're not developing necessarily. I just don't think they're going to get the time to develop. Or at least maybe there needs to well, be I mean, a mindset what, change. What time better than right now? The only academy graduate that they re- like of recent times that they're playing is Alex- Alejandro Garnacho. Mm-hmm. They have other people on the back. Um, they had the guy Hannibal who scored... Um, the consolation goal um, this weekend against Brighton, okay. but I mean, like, they like they're just not not developing their young talent. But this season specifically, they've been in the spotlight a lot off of very one-off things. Yeah, I mean, it's not like as much as I would love to pin more blame on Manchester United. It's not like they're fostering a domestic abuse. No. Side of things. Now, if, a third, if a third one happens, yeah. I don't know. Well, and the Anthony thing is before he came to Man United, True. and it's coming to light now, I think, specifically around the Mason Greenwood thing. Um, but these are one-off things. I think they may weather the storm on this. I think there's still problems, and I think they need to fix it to be able to be at the level that their fan base requires of them I don't think the Glazers give a shit and I think they they can work their way back to being fringe Europe they're not going to be where they're but right now they're fringe Europe do you think I would peg them as fringe Europe I said they don't recover this season and they have Chelsea-esque season I mean I I don't think it's going to be that bad right now they're right now they're 13th they're going to finish definitely top half. I feel like they're... Top half? I'm not saying not top half. I'm just saying I think they finish outside the top six. I think it's... I, I don't think it's without reason to think that they finish outside of the top six. I think they're going to turn around. I don't think they're going to continue to have this bad of a year. But this start has been fucking terrible. They genuinely could have lost five out of five. Like the fact that they've got two wins. One was absolutely gifted to them on a silver platter. And they did fight back on the Nottingham Forest one, but they easily could have lost that game. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I think I could see them getting top seven. I see. I think I could definitely see them top seven. I don't think I could. I don't think I see them at all top five. I definitely do not see them at top five. This With, take we both have could age very badly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about it. Um, but the reason I feel so good about it is because one of the teams that they have to compete for that top five place is Brighton. Yeah. And holy shit. Talk about a team on fire right now. I'm, dude, I, I am not, I am a bit of stat man uh, today. Uh, <laughs> James Milner is the first player to win at Old Trafford against Man United with four different teams. That's insane. What a legend. He's insane. What a legend. I still think he looks like an old man. I, I, I love this man. I think he drinks the blood of the youth. I mean, there's something <laughs> like, like there's no way he, he's just so good. I, I, I hope he turns out to be a really good coach and I'm so happy he's not in Saudi. Um, <laughs> Henderson broke me. I think if Milner went there too, I'd be, 
I'd be so upset. Uh, so for Brighton's second goal, they had a 30-pass buildup leading to that goal. Absurd. I mean, they are just locked in right now. I I have been noted on here as saying Deserbi is overrated. Yeah. I don't think that take is aging particularly well right now. Nope. Graham Potter did good things with this team. There is no fucking shot Graham Potter makes them look that good at Old Trafford. I mean, that team was worth $17 million on that pitch against Old Trafford. And they wiped the floor with them. I mean, in the clip of that buildup, Man United looks listless. They literally are, uh, like, they, they, they broke it. Is the word I would use. They they're passing it around them like they're not even there. And and Man United maybe maybe a player jogs towards the ball. It's insane. I mean, there's just no pressure really at all. No. I mean, it's still incredible build up from them. But I mean, come on, like thirty. <laughs> I it's it it is it. They are in Europa League this year. That group looks tough, but Ajax is not performing that well right now. I think they could totally make knockout rounds of, of Europa League. Definitely. I, I don't know if they'll finish first or second in that group, but, I mean, I'm not betting against Brighton right now. This team could win things, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. This is, this is a dangerous team to play right now. For sure. And it's weird. Like, like I, I'm looking through the – like, I'm looking through – the schedules of these teams and I'm like having to like reevaluate yeah. like like Brighton games I'm like I don't like yeah. I, I that's a big game I would not want to play that game the Manchester United and the Chelsea games I'm like I don't know yeah. man. dude I would I would so much rather play one of those two teams than, than Brighton right now I've been I've been afraid of Brighton for probably two seasons three seasons now I I agree I think three seasons they've been they've been dangerous I mean for four seasons they've been really well run Brighton, Brentford, Villa, I'd probably say one season, I've been afraid. One season, yeah. And and their start of the season has been rough. It's been highs and lows for sure. Yep. Uh, but this Brighton team has like they are deadly right now. And just doing it on on uh like with just great finds. They're already in the green right now financially. Think about what they could do, like assuming they stick with their model. We've discussed this before. Assuming they stick with their model, they could turn around and sell like, what do you think, two, three more players at the end of the season and just cash in again? Yeah. Reinvest. I mean, you can't continue to win at the level that they're winning at, like or like in terms of transfers. In terms of transfers, you can't just continue to just hit like crazy on this. But I like they are genuinely doing Moneyball. Yeah. The best. Like they are doing true Moneyball. They are getting. Moneyball is not. Everyone thinks Moneyball is is buy low, sell high. Yeah, it's not. It's it's buying great. It's paying great value for money. Getting a a smackdown of Manchester United at Old Trafford three one for a bargain price for seventeen million is peak peak Moneyball. And and it's it's even more impressive considering just kind of how the league operates. Right mm-hmm. now, in the current state, it is with you, you. I mean, it's almost impossible to compete with these larger teams. At least that was the thinking in terms of fin- like financials. Like, yeah, they just have so much buying power. How do you compete with these, you know, these juggernauts to get to get these big name players and bring in the talent, especially if they're you know pulling from everywhere? Mm-hmm. How do you even compete with that? Brighton's figured it out. Brighton has one hundred percent figured it out, and like they're doing this, they're they're. They are so financially sound right now. Like, I genuinely... I think there's a scenario where they could continue to buy as low, like as cheap as they are. Because there's such a focus right now, specifically in the Premier League, specifically domestically, there's such a focus on buying young talent and developing it into promising things. They're doing a really good job of developing talent. But they also have Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck is not a developing talent. Adam Milano was not a developing no, talent. No, James Milner wasn't. I mean, these are Lewis Dunk is someone that they developed um, from, but he's been around since they were in League One. I mean, like these are people who were established in the league 
maybe not competing at the level of the top teams, quote unquote. And they're just getting insane value, like insane value out of them. And that's part of. And the, I think they can keep doing it. I, I agree. I agree. And I think we. I mean, we kind of talked about it. And I think I might, may have taken the other side of that argument that they maybe need to change the formula eventually if they want to get higher than where they are. They're proving me wrong right now. Um, but what I was going to say was that another piece of that equation, I think, to your point, is that they do bring in like three or four experienced veterans that still have a little left in the tank to complement all that young talent they have that they're developing and kind of aid in that process. I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially, like, another one is Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore is a, another great example of this. He, he was at Chelsea. He got um, essentially, like, like outcast out of Chelsea. He went to Nor- Norwich. Norwich? I don't know why I think I'm saying that wrong. No, um, went there, got lampooned. I mean, they <laughs> hate this man. Um, and now he goes to Brighton, and now he's starting in this in this team and killing it. I mean, he's a great talent for them to have. So I am really interested to see what their buying is because ever like a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing is people think, oh, like they've got all this money now they can reinvest it into some young talent. I could totally see them continuing to buy. If you really think about it, like if you can get Champions League football from a squad, a starting squad of $17 million, if they're all 30-year-olds, I mean, like that is just great fucking value. I, and they're not all 30-year-olds. No. I mean, like, and they're going to continue, like someone's going to come in for Matoma. They're going to spend a lot on Matoma. Huge. I'm, yeah. How much? I'm trying to think. I bet Matoma goes for like... 124? I mean, he's 25. That's the thing. Is like, like Caicedo went for, for 140 euro, million euro, yeah. 115 million pounds. And he's 21. Matoma's 24, 25. So he's got less room to grow. How old was Declan? He went for 114. Declan is 20, 20, 22, 22, 22. I think he went for 114. Um, Don't quote me. But, but like, I mean, that's huge money. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and like, it gets me thinking. It's like, obviously you've got this formula for success, right? Yeah. What if they decide to like pull the trigger one of these days and they just like pull in a huge name for a shit ton of money that they've just kind of been banking? Mm-hmm. And they just like wreck the formula essentially, but they've already got this developing young team underneath to support whatever big name they bring in. Maybe. Like, do you think that's possible? Like, I think about that. I'm like, they've got all that money. It's got to be tempting. But like, you know why? I yeah, mean, but like that's the thing. They've got so much success. But like, yeah, why? And 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 that's my thing. It's just like Don't why. Break. Don't fix it if it ain't broke. Don't fix it if it ain't broke, and don't 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 falsely assume you know what their strategy is because clearly, like it's not. It is on some level buying no name talents from Ecuador or whatever, and bring it in. Shout out Purvis's Stupinian right <laughs> now. They're left back dudes, insane. Um, but it's also buying great value for money or bringing a great value for money on freeze and they're doing a really good job of it and they're going to continue to do a good job of it because the success like if you are if you are a 26 27 year old person in the premier league right now or in just any of the top five leagues and you see what's being done to danny welbeck's career to adam milana's career even james milner in this fine like like uh, towards the latter end of his career I'm jumping on that like why don't run? I mean, yeah. I'm in there. Players want to go to Brighton. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's gonna be a destination. And I especially, think especially sorry, especially if you weigh it like like if you if your two options, say you're Milner, for example, perfect example, your options are Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. and I guess Brighton. Like if you're morally conflicted, say like, you know, some of these players are that get these offers, mm-hmm. you're gonna pick Brighton. You're gonna I'm not saying they're like a magnet for like 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 Twilight players or anything like that, because it's not exclusive. No, to that. And that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it, but like if you get that option, if you're presented yeah. with two options, you're you're gonna go Brighton's way. 
And so, like, I'm I'm genuinely curious. Would if Brighton would have known how cheaply James or Jordan Henderson was going to go for? Mm-hmm. Would they have gone for? Him? Would they have gone? I think for so. Him? Why wouldn't you? I like. What if they're literally? What if they've got it down to a number and they're like, we will have this amount of experienced people in our. We'll have this amount of. We've got twenty five roster I think that's slots. Highly likely. I and it's it, like I. They've got a system over there, and it feels very tuned in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is yeah. dialed in. Yeah, I I, ju- I I am very very curious on what they do this next summer with who they might end up losing, with who they might bring in. I'm I'm so here for a situation where a club says fuck you. I like we'll buy we'll buy young talent still for sure, but that's not all we're gonna do, and we're gonna dismount some absolute giants in Chelsea and Man United in the meantime. Exactly. Uh, do you want to you want to like shout out to Zerbi too because he obviously has some. It's not all of the system and, and, and the development. Yes, here. yeah. So let's let's give a shout. So so Roberto Zerbi, I'm going to throw out. Uh, you guessed it. Some more stats. Mm-hmm. Um, so since Brighton have picked up Roberto Zerbi, I'm going to list out some of their uh, different stats. Goal scored, they're third out of twenty teams. Shots, they're first. Shots on target, they're first. Touches in opponent box, they're third. Expected goals, second. And possession, second. That is a team that is not only dominant, but dominant and deadly. Mm-hmm. Now, clearly, they maybe could do a bit more defensive shoring up because, like, if you look at the table over that time, Aston has got them a little bit beat uh, in that time. I, I will never stop. Comparing the Vampire and uh, uh, Roberto De Zerbi, but that is those stats do not lie. They you see that week in week out from them, and I don't see where it's going wrong. Oh, this is the Brighton pod, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's just like this game was just insane. Um, we were just talking about Saudi Arabia, and I want to harken back to a. Another uh, legend of the Premier League, um, Alexander Mitrovic, was quoted this last week saying, When I received the offer from Al-Halal, I talked about it with my family. Giving up was impossible. I have no nostalgia for England. I played many years there. I'm happy to have finally arrived at a top club. Al-Halal is a bit like Real Madrid in Europe. So I, like, I, I just have one question. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude. I mean, what the fuck? I, I get it. I get it. He, like, he doesn't have any nostalgia for England. He played here at, at um, Newcastle. He, uh, he struggled Bullum. there and everything. Fulham, he, he did really well there. But he still had years in the tank. In the top, he was going to be the starting striker for Fulham. He was going to be playing in the Premier League. Like, Fulham were very close to competing for Europe last year. They they could have they could have been in that conversation if if he didn't get the ban. I mean, first, but you go, dude. First time I read this quote, I was reading through it and I was like, yeah, yeah, that, okay, that makes sense, you know. Yeah, you don't yeah. feel nostalgic for England. And yeah, then, yeah. You know, I played many years there. Whatever. You also played in the championship. You know, whatever. And then I got to the. I'm happy to have finally arrived at a top club. And and then the comparison to Real Madrid, I literally just had to read it again, off, man. Dude. I literally was like, "What did you just say?" I, I my first thought was like, "Literally, I don't think you're allowed to do that." <laughs> I was I was dying. I was reading this at my desk, and I literally like had to take a lap. I was like, "This is insane," and. Um, and then I, I was just, yeah, dude, how much did they pay him to make that comparison? Like, the, literally, up until that point, the quote is fine. And then he makes that comparison to Real. And I'm like, you were paid. Like, this is a yeah, paid statement. I mean, <laughs> like, that, that is just, that is a crock of shit. Oh my God. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. I don't need, I'm not even going to bother looking at Al-Halal's stats for the African Champions League. I don't care. Or Asian Champions League. I don't care. That is a ridiculous fucking statement. Unbelievable. Uh, about as about as brain dead as, as someone who would 
just roll from Fulham and force his way out to go to Ahalal. I mean, I just ridiculous. Um, getting off of um, that. Yeah, yeah, just whatever the fuck Get that, that out was. That was ridiculous. Um, David Ryan seems to be in for uh, Aaron Ramsdale. It's two games in a row, one in the Champions League and one in in the league where he has uh, started uh, ahead of Ramsdale. Do we think that? Do you think that Ramsdale is or Ramsdale is like permanently displaced now? Like David Raya is going to be the guy? No, no, no. I think they've got two good options. I think because he he started in the prem this weekend, right? Ramsdale. No, Raya started in the prem. Raya started in the prem. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, then maybe I guess. Um, one start in the prem, one in the Champions League. Yeah. I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, to see Arteta like rotate. I, I like I wouldn't be surprised. They're both obviously quality keepers, so like it wouldn't surprise me. And Ramsdale, Ramsdale has cemented cemented himself as as a top a top, top keeper for yeah, sure. Like yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. But if it's just rotation, I I believe that. Yeah. Um. I. I I don't know. I mean, last year, last year. Our, Mikel Arteta played Matt Turner in the Europa League, and that was the objective. And, and um, Matt Turner's gone now. He's at Forest, doing very well at Forest. Um, they're in eighth. Um, but I think it's clear that Matt Turner, as much as I might have my <laughs> eagle eagle glasses on, uh, eagle bias, um, he's not as good as Ramdale. Raya is... is really good keeper. I don't know if he's as good at, like but clearly Mikel Arteta thinks he is. So I I don't know. I, I think I, I agree. I, I think maybe it's too early to say whether or not this is permanent. Mikel Arteta was quoted this week as saying, I don't think we should be hesitant about subbing keepers in games either. I think that's fair. I think they're on a close enough level and, and I don't think it's outlandish to think, you know, give him a prem give him a prem game, get him warmed up for the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of roll with him, maybe, maybe in the Champions. I don't know, but like I think that's plausible. What do you think about subbing keepers in the middle of games? <laughs> I think it's unheard of, and I don't think it's, it's a definitely good. unprecedented. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's probably a good a good strategy to employ on, on in multiple multiple matches. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mikel Arteta seems to think that that is the way to go forward, and it's like stop trying to out pep pep. You know, like, yeah, like, like uh, we get it. It, Like you, you want to be Guardiola, shave your head already, get rid of that thick, luscious hair, like (laughs) go bald, whatever. Um, You can be a fraud with them as well. I think that's pushing the envelope a bit too much. I am intrigued by the idea of having two top keepers that compete for, or that you play in certain situations. If you believe, if you believe in that, 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 you know, competition, obviously, Cream, uh, what what's the metaphor I'm looking for? The uh, cream rises to the top. Yeah, yeah. If you believe in that, fine, that works. But I I just don't know. Definitely not. I, I definitely am not a fan of subbing keepers in the middle of the match. No, no. As, like in following with that. that but mentality. I, I mean, if you don't have, if you don't like Allison, I view as the top keeper in the world. Like, I mean, he's he's just. Absolutely in insane. World? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, come on. Um, out, and I don't think there's anyone that you can bring in at a reasonable price to go back to back with him. But if you've got someone like Vicario, like Vicario's been decent so he's far. Been improving. He's been improving, but he's not like a top top keeper. Currently. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, no. Allison, Not watch yet. Out. Watch out. Not yet. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, if you want to bring in someone to provide a bit of competition with him, I mean, sure. Like, like Ramsdale is a really good keeper, but he's not locked in as England's number one. He's not even locked in as, like, successor to England's number one. Because you still have, like, Nick Pope in that conversation. James Trafford is making good moves at Burnley. So, I mean, I, I sort of get that. I'm I'm still a bit hesitant on it. I don't know if you need to rotate keepers. Yeah. I don't know if you need to do that. Well, I feel like it's more of a rhythm position. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna, I, I, I'm not trying to make a habit of comparing, comparing this and, and, and pulling from, from American football. But with a running back, right? With a running back. Yeah, yeah. Rhythm position. You give him the ball, he gets better as he gets into the game, he gets more carries, you know, he pops off. I kind of feel the same way about a keeper. You get into a rhythm, you know, and maybe you could say that about, you know, any player. But mm-hmm. specifically with goalkeeping, I feel like that's a, a very, you know, you get your feet wet and you get you get caught up with the speed of the game. And, and that's, you know, you roll from there. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll see what ends up happening with that. Um, yeah, so we'll see what ends up happening with that. I'm going to skip this next point. Um because we can go over this at a later later sure. later date. Sure. Um, Chelsea. I did. I I put this clip in here. Chelsea had the urgency of a sloth uh, to clo- to try and get a, a a goal back on or get a goal at Bournemouth or against Bournemouth um, this past weekend. Like. It, there is nothing that solidified my opinion that they are going to crash and fucking burn like that that end of that game. I mean, it's just... They are so... In this game, you watch it, and they're just so uninterested in scoring at the end of this game. I mean, they're just so uninterested in getting anything from this game other than the point. And... It's it's just I like it's Bournemouth. <laughs> it's Bournemouth. I mean, like, and it's not like going away to Bournemouth is scary. Scary. No, not at all. I mean, they have the second smallest stadium in the Premier League. They would if Luton weren't playing at Kenilworth <laughs> Road. So I mean, it's just they had six wins in all competitions in 2023, the calendar year. They are in such deep shit. I mean, we were talking about we were talking about it like earlier. You Comparing said Man U you said Chelsea. Man U, yeah. you see them on the same trajectory as Man tell U. me why. Tell, tell me why I, that's a bad comparison. I because Man U, their last season showed that they can the, the do something with this. There, the pieces are there for them to be fringe Europe. Last season, there were a lot of things that proved that they probably. Aren't around like aren't aren't a top top team. Sure, but they were making progress. I have seen nothing from this Chelsea team to make it even remotely apparent that they are anything but a mid table team. And now they don't even have Kai Havertz. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! No, they just have Nicholas Jackson pegging one over the over the over the uh, stands. Um, they are. I just say like like they are they are they are in such a worse spot because they are just strapped now. These are the people that they have. The people that they bought are not doing well. And I mean it's just And it's a club with a lot of pressure and a win now mentality. And yeah. an owner that op- like likes to spend money. Yeah, I mean that like the and and I will say that the club Internally, view, definitely view this as a project. Chelsea fans Dude. are not about that. Mm-hmm. No, current Chelsea fans are very much win now, win now, win now. Let's be the party poopers. Let's be the people who come in, ruin the show, and take shit for our own. And that is not what's happening right now. And there's no signs that that even is close to happening. I mean, they're just Holland's gonna outscore. Holland outscored them last year. He's gonna outscore them again for sure. Definitely. I mean, it's just it's 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 bad. Um, why do you think that they are in the same boat as Manu? I mean, just I, I guess to your point, to your point, Manu has shown that they can play, and I think the main difference for me is that they they have more veteran leadership, and I touched on that earlier. I think they've got a few more key veteran players that that can kind of keep the ship steady, whereas this Chelsea team is just. A disjointed collection of of expensive players locked in on eight year deals that that really just don't know how to play together and are dejected and constantly being bombarded from outside pressure. And it's a new manager as well. 
Yeah. And and granted, if you know, it is a project by the definition of it, but it's a club that's so not used to that 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 it's just almost too much pressure. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's kind of how I see it. But I still, I, I still just see similarities. Granted, different situation. So yeah, okay. I'll give you that point. Well, going back to Potch, you brought that up. He had a, in my opinion, absolutely fucking ridiculous quote uh, <laughs> this week that said, "One thing I am disappointed in is that the fullbacks try to go forward too much and create confusion to the offensive players and give the opponent chances to score." You play with a double pivot in your team. Your best creators over the last three seasons have been your fullbacks slash wingbacks. You're trying to tell me you don't want Ben Chilwell and Reese James bombing down the sides to create chances? Give me a fucking break, Where are your chances going to come from? Like, <laughs> genu- the, the most dangerous game that Chelsea played, or Chelsea looked this year, was against Liverpool at the beginning of the season. And... 100% the reason for that was Ben Chilwell screaming down the left-hand side and creating absolute havoc uh, for for um, Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah, and just the, the right side. Um, and, like, you're, you're trying to tell me it causes confusion for the the attacking players? All of the attacking players, all of the offensive players that you have have played in teams where the fullbacks, those wingbacks, are... As attacking as humanly possible, because they're not all. Uh, none of them are from Chelsea. I mean, like you're telling me, Mikhailo Mudrik played at Shakhtar Donetsk, who would absolutely dominate the Ukrainian league, and their fullback stayed at the back, and you ran with four <laughs> right there. Come on, man! Come on! That's uh, that. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but so yeah, they've got obviously they've got some tactical conflicts. Injuries are a problem. Now, do you think this is a legit like like so they've got twelve players injured, right? I now. sent you this I sent you this this yeah article. I don't know if you saw it anywhere else before that, but yeah, no, insider quote that it is an an absolute not an insider quote, but it's from Trevor Shalova's um, personal trainer. Absolute mess in the medical department at Chelsea. Yeah. I I I get it on some level because you've got, in terms of starters, you have Wesley Fofana injured, Christopher Nkunku, Reese James, Benoit Badiashile, Moises Caicedo. Those are starters who should like like should be would be in the starting lineup in theory week in week out. You have spent so you have spent a billion pounds on this team. You're telling me you don't have stuff. You don't have people to come in and replace them. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of bullshit. It's kind of bullshit, and it's hard to feel bad for him to be honest. I uh, Liverpool Liverpool three years ago. Tons of injuries. I remember that season. So, like, we had 17 injuries at one point. We had to play two academy players as our starting center backs, <laughs> Reese Williams and, and uh, Nat Phillips. Nat Phillips, before that season began, was supposed to go play at UNC <laughs> in college and was starting in that team. And we got fourth. So they can fuck off yeah. with the injury That's excuse. a fair take. That's absolutely, a fair can, take. Absolutely fuck off. <laughs> if, if you are not, no. No, that that I I do not buy that whatsoever. In conclusion, fuck Chelsea, fuck, fuck Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the both of them. Fuck we'll, a lot of them. Yeah, well, we'll see how their season goes, but I am so farther down on them than I and am Manu. on Manu. Guarantee, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, last little bit that we have here, um, Everton have a takeover that is imminent. Uh, it's it's due to have. Uh, they have to go through the, I think it's called the fit and proper test, the, the people taking them over. Um, and the people taking them over, it, and it's subject to that, but Saudi Arabia's owners made it. So, I mean, what do you have to do to fail that thing? Um, it's 777 partners. So 777 partners have 
majority slash full stakes in four other clubs. Genoa, who play in Serie A in Italy. Vasco da Gama, who play in Serie A in Brazil. Standard Liège, who play in the top division in Belgium. And Hertha Berlin, who are currently in the Zwei Bundesliga in Germany, which is their second division. They bought Hertha Berlin, the majority share in them, in the mid, in March of last year. So they were already essentially going down. They, they didn't play a factor in their demise. Um, they own major, major, minority shares in Melbourne Victory in Australia and Sevilla in Spain. So they had their hands in six other clubs, four of which they're majority owners in. Is that something that you think is a problem? It's a trap question. It is a problem, but I'm... It's, I mean, yeah, it's a problem. I don't think necessarily it's a big problem on this scale, per se. Mm-hmm. I see the issue becoming, if, if it continues in that direction... Like, just, just, just world football as a whole. Mm-hmm. If that's the way it goes, and you see companies ac- like acquiring majority shares in, say, 20 teams, 30 mm-hmm. teams, I think that's a huge problem. I think, obviously, that's a huge problem, and it, it just it, it goes against competition. And it like, like the way um, kind of the influx in, in, in capital has, has kind of separated the... the Top, I don't know, four or five teams from the rest of the from the rest of the pack in turn, specifically Premier League, in this case. But mm. like like that influx of cash has affected the Premier League on a small scale. I think multi club ownership could do the same on the world, like the the big 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 stage, world football as a whole. It's not good. Like owning multiple teams is not a good thing for competition. Um, in any way you look at it, in my opinion. And that, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the big problem that I see with this and the big problem that I see popping off in Europe about this is, like, what... And it's, it's the precedent that has been set for multi-club ownership. What happens when these teams, you know, if they end up in Europe together, like, there's a big conflict of interest there, as well as... If you own a majority stake in five teams, one of them is bound to be your crown jewel. Yes. So then if one is your crown jewel, the rest jewel, are feeders. The rest are feeders to that team 100%. You have this situation like Chelsea and Strasbourg right now. Which Strasbourg is a team in France, has a very big following, but they've never been a top team in Liga by any means. But now they're, they're just some side action. There's some sideshow for Todd Bowley and, and Chelsea. And it's if you and it's also if you see one of these teams being run poorly, it makes you like if they're running them poorly, they're going to run us just as poorly as well. But I think it ultimately comes down to if you own five teams, eight four other teams are not going to be your crown jewel. So four other teams are bound to just their sole purpose is to feed. Their sole purpose is to feed the top team. Is is I think what it what it really feels like for a lot of these teams. Well, and then exactly, I, I agree. That's and that's just not good any way you look at it. But but you also have to consider like what it does to other like other leagues. It just lowers the overall yes, quality of yeah. product. You know because it's mean? less competitive. Because like yeah. like you know for Genoa, like are they really going to try and push Genoa to be the absolute top team? Are they going to look to use Genoa to generate revenue and and sell them on the back end? I so mean, like, it, like acknowledging that it's bad. How do you combat that? Like, I guess you have to pass regulations, and I guess there are some regulations in place, but like, not not like on on the big stage. In, in my like, certain leagues probably have. I, I'm not. I'm ignorant in terms of this, but yeah. I'm sure there are some leagues that, that impose restrictions and, and aim to kind of cut da- cut back on that and stop that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too confident in that either. I th- I would I would think it would really come down to either UEFA or FIFA. Because like something's got to stop. Like what's to stop? Say you get you you get up to five teams, 
What's to stop you from just reinvesting that money, buying another team, doing it all over again until you own a whole le- like own the league? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Know, there's well, got to be something. It definitely. I don't think it would ever be able to happen. Someone owning two clubs in the same league or even in the same vertical. I would hope. I, I would, would hope. hope. I would hope. Who's to say they don't just back channel it like they like the Saudis do? You know. Yeah, I I don't know, I don't know, but it, it's it's not it's not a good practice. I I I can totally see like from if I was if I was another like cause, and there is a situation like generally like what if Everton doesn't end up as the crown jewel for seven 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 and they're just bad or like mediocre. Yeah, and they're just. They're just Shipping kept there. Players. Yeah, they're just kept there to. They're buying like, especially because Everton's getting the new stadium. Mm-hmm. They're just buying them to get the stadium as well, and then like that's the big thing for them. And they let them like go under, and, and they just start start to focus on the team or focus on the stadium. Then they just feed into like, say Genoa starts doing really well. They feed into Genoa. They want to compete with that. Like that gives me a lot of reserve for Everton. That exact situation is happening to Genoa, Vasco da Gama, Standard Liège, all these other teams. It's happening to Palermo. It's happening to Braga in, in, for, for the city football group. I mean, it's just it, – it's not a good look. Not a good look at all. Nope. Um, I think we're in agreement there. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's, that's really all I had. We probably should have finished on, uh, on a happier note, but – uh, Everton do not have Farad Mashiri, won't have Far- Farad Mashiri as their owner anymore. Our Everton friends can take take Salson. <laughs> um, that's a good pod. Yeah. I think uh, you know we had a lot to talk about this week, tons to talk about, and we we missed last week, so we well, it was well inter- that, international yeah, break, yeah, but, international break. But um, yeah, glad we got to do it. Thank you guys for listening. I think we're gonna wrap it up here. You can reach us at the Boot and Hearth Podcast at gmail.com. The Boot and Hearth Pod on Twitch normally, and the Boot and Hearth Podcast on Discord as well. Feel free to reach out, and you can also comment on the podcast on Spotify as well, which is probably, I'd probably think that's the most convenient and easy way. Yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. You wanna? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, everyone. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next week. All right, bye, everyone. See ya.